I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And good morning, we welcome you to Gospel Dynamite, a Christian broadcast dedicated to the winning of the lost and the edification of God's saints. Gospel Dynamite is a ministry of Asbury Baptist Church located at 218 Asbury Church Road, Seagrove, North Carolina. I invite you to visit our church on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. You're also invited to visit our website, www.asburybaptist.org. In addition, you can reach more messages and more Bible teaching on gospeldynamite.org as well. Now will you join me in studying the Word of God? You're listening to Gospel Dynamite. I invite you to take your Bible, turn with us to Revelation 22 and verse 20. Today we look at the invitation of completion. Revelation 22 and verse 20. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. While this precious verse may be short in length, it's long in content serves as a worthy rear guard to the book of Revelation and to the entire word of God. This verse contains within its 16 words both the last promise and the last prayer in the entire Bible. Now in these words we have our Lord's clear, powerful promise that he will come again. We also have the prayer of John the beloved disciple as he invites the Lord to do just that. In John's words, we can hear the echo of the heart cry of every saint of God down through the ages. There is a desire within the heart of every child of God to leave this world to be with the Lord Jesus. There is a hunger within our hearts for the Lord Jesus to come again so that we can leave this world of tears, death, and sickness, and pain and go to heaven where none of those things will ever be found, nor will be able to follow us. Before I was saved, I used to hear people talk about the second coming of Christ. And in those days, thinking about his return filled my heart with fear. I knew I was lost, and I knew that I would be in serious trouble if the Lord came with me in that condition. Then one day, the Lord saved my soul. And when he did, he changed my thinking regarding his return. Instead of dreading that return, I began to anticipate it. Instead of it filling my heart with fear, it fills my heart with joy. Now, I do not look upon his return with fear. I look upon his return with great excitement. I know that when he returns to this world, I will be leaving with him. I know that heaven will be my destination, and I'm excited about that. Now, apparently, John was excited about that thought as well. When Jesus Christ makes his promise to come again, John immediately extends an invitation to the Lord to come. John says, amen. John says, even so, which means yes. John is looking and longing for Jesus to return. So am I. If you're saved, I'm sure you are as well. We need to examine a few thoughts about this invitation of completion. First, we see the basis of the invitation. 
John bases his invitation for the Lord to come on two sure foundations. John is not praying for something that may or may not happen. John bases his invitation to the Lord Jesus on two great realities. One, it is based in the Lord's promises. The Lord Jesus makes it a clear promise in this verse, Surely I come quickly. And he makes the same great promise in verse 7 and 12. Jesus is letting John and the rest of his saints know that he is coming again. This was not the first time that Jesus Christ had made this promise. John 14, verses 2 and 3, Matthew 24, and verse 44. As Jesus ascended back into heaven, two angels spoke to the Lord's disciples and reaffirmed his promises to return in Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. The Lord's return was the hope of the apostles, as you can see in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, Hebrews 9, 28. His return has been the blessed hope of the believer for 2,000 years, Titus 2.13. Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is coming, and those who are wise are looking for him. When Jesus uses the word quickly, he is not talking about swiftness of time. After all, he has been gone 2,000 years. The word actually means without delay. Jesus is telling us that when everything is in place, he will return without delay. We're often guilty of using the phrase, if the Lord tarries. Listen, friends, my God does not tarry. To tarry gives the implication that God is indifferent or he's doing something else or he's incapable of doing something at the same time. God does not tarry. That is a misrepresentation of our Lord Jesus. In fact, we need to stop saying that. Our Lord is not tarrying. Jesus does not, cannot, and will not tarry. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 37. He will return right on schedule. In addition, it's based in the Lord's purposes. John calls for Jesus to return because John is thinking like Jesus. Now, John has been exiled on Patmos because he was a fearless preacher of the gospel. And while there, John has been given this incredible vision of the future. He has seen the end of the world. John has seen the entire church age. He has seen the tribulation period. He has seen the rise and fall of the Antichrist. John has even seen the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. John knows that God has a purpose in the Lord's return. He knows that the Lord's return will spell the end of sin, the end of Satan, and the end of sorrows in this universe. John knows that when Jesus Christ comes again, he will be glorified and he will be exalted. John desires that more than anything, so he calls on the Lord to come. You and I know that Jesus is not glorified in this world today. He's denied, he's rejected, 
He's hated by many, and most people want Jesus and all the mention of his name driven from the public arena. But when he comes again, there will be none of that going on. When he comes again, he's not coming as the meek and lowly Jesus. He's not coming as a humble carpenter of Galilee. My friend, when Jesus Christ comes, he is coming as King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is coming in glory. He is coming in power. He is coming in victory. He is not coming to ask for a vote of confidence from humanity. He is coming to reign, according to Revelation 19, verses 11 through 21. There will be no cross for Jesus when he comes a second time. The Bible says in Revelation 19 and verse 12, he will wear many crowns. When Jesus comes again, he will complete God's plan for the ages, and he will be glorified. To see him honored, loved, lifted up, magnified, and glorified should be the desire of every child of God. To see the eternal purposes and plans of God brought to pass should be the prayer of every saint. He is coming, and when he does, he will be glorified, and we will cry, Amen, and we will worship him. But also I would show you the very burden the burden of this invitation. Even as John adds his amen to the promise of the Lord Jesus, he knows the return of the Lord Jesus will not be a blessing to all men. The phrase, even so, literally means yea, Yes, verily. It shows strong agreement with something that has been said. Yet that phrase, as always, seemed to express an underlying burden. It is as if John is saying, come Lord Jesus, I want you to come. Not everyone is ready, not everyone is looking for you, not everyone will be saved, but come, get glory to yourself. Maybe I'm reading more into the verse than there is, but I detect a hint of a burden in John's words. I share that burden today. I suspect that you do as well. If Jesus were to come today to get his church, some people on the sound of my voice would not get to go with us. There's some who've never been saved, and you will be left behind. I know that if you are left behind, you would never have another opportunity to be saved. That according to 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 11. You will have no desire for God. You will have no desire for the Bible, the church, or the Lord Jesus. If you are left behind, you will die in your sins, and you will spend eternity in hell. I don't want that to happen to you. I know that if you're left behind, you would have to go through a terrible, horrendous, horrific, 
tribulation period. It's going to be the most horrible period of time that you can ever imagine. The world will be plagued by disease, war, and a rise in evil. Over one half of the world's population will die as God pours out his wrath on a Christ-rejecting world. If you're left here, you will suffer in ways that you can never begin to imagine. I don't want that to happen to you. I know it, Jesus were to come today, I would have relatives, friends, acquaintances who would be left behind. That would be a terrible tragedy. I don't want that to happen. Neither do you. My advice to you, if you are not born again, is that you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ I invite you to come to him, confess yourself a sinner, and call on Christ for salvation. He will not turn you away, John 6, 37. He will save you, Romans 10, 9, and verse 13 as well. And you will be ready for his return when it happens. Do not deceive yourself. Jesus is coming. And you must be ready. Now thirdly, I show you the blessing of the invitation. The blessing of the invitation. There most certainly is a positive side to the return of Christ. Jesus is coming, and John has been allowed to see all the way to the end of time. He knows what is waiting on him and the rest of God's children. John also remembers what it was like to be with Jesus. 1 John 1, 1. He remembers the day Jesus saved his soul in John chapter 1. He remembers the thrill of time spent with Christ. He remembers their closeness. John 13, 23. He remembers the horror of being at the cross and watching Jesus as he died in John 19, 28-30. He remembers the thrill of going to the tomb three days after the crucifixion to find that Jesus had indeed risen from the dead. John 20, verses 1 through 8. He remembers standing there on that hillside, watching as Jesus ascended back into heaven. Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. He remembers... And he longs to be with Jesus once again. So when he hears Jesus say, Surely I come quickly, John cries, Amen. Amen. Amen.
The word means, so be it. Let it be. It is so. John is using the word as an exclamation of excitement. He is saying, amen, let it be. Come on, Jesus. I'm looking forward to your return. You and I haven't had all of the experiences that John had with Jesus. But those of us who were saved, oh, we've had a few. We remember when he lifted us out of sin and saved us by his grace. We recall the times of close communion when he let us feel his presence, when he let us feel his grace, when he let us see his power. We remember all the times when he spoke sweet peace to our souls. We cling to the memories of his grace, his blessings, his presence. We rely on his promises. We trust in his providence. We remember and we long for that blessed hour when he will appear and deliver us from this world and from this flesh. It'll be a time of blessing for the saints of God when Jesus Christ comes again. I want to remind you of some of the blessings we will enjoy. The blessing of resurrection. When Jesus comes, all those who have died in faith will be raised from the dead. Now, their souls are already with the Lord in heaven. 2 Corinthians 5, 8, Philippians 1, 23, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 14. Their bodies are buried in the ground. When Jesus comes, he will bring with him their redeemed souls. He will raise and glorify their bodies. And he will re reunite body and soul and take both back home to heaven with him. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 and through 16. There is coming a great getting up morning for all of God's children one day. And it's going to be a changing day for all the departed saints of God. Reminds me of Dr. R.G. Lee the silver-tongued orator who pastored Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee for many years. He used to preach about the dear black lady who, he, who cared for him when he was a little boy. And he talked about how the time came for her to die, and she'd been so faithful and had been such a godly woman. And she'd worked there on the farm in South Carolina where he'd been brought up. He told about how his mama took that dear old lady, laid her head down on a pillow and smoothed out her hair. And Dr. Lee said, that dear, dear saint of God looked up in the face of his mother and said to her, one of these days before long, I'm going to exchange this old, weary, worn out wagon 
for a chariot of gold. Amen. So am I. That is our blessed hope. Not only the blessing of resurrection, but the blessing of rapture. Of course, not all of God's children are going to die. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 52. Some are leaving the world in the rapture. Some folks doubt the rapture of the church because they say the word rapture is not even in the Bible. Well, right they are. The words called up translate a certain Greek word that means to seize, means to carry off by force. It means to claim eagerly for oneself, to snatch up, to snatch away. When the Greek New Testament was translated into Latin, that word, harpezo, was translated rapto which is the word that rapture comes from. Now here's the truth of the matter. Jesus Christ is returning someday in the clouds above this earth and he will gather his children, those who have been saved by his grace and washed in his blood and he will take us home to heaven to be with him there forever. Those who go in the rapture will never taste death. Those who go in the rapture will be here one moment and the very next instant they will be in glory. The saints of God are leaving this world in an instant one day. Are you ready? You need to be because Jesus will not send an announcement. He will simply show up and take his people with him. But then you also have the blessing of reunion. When Jesus returns and raises the dead and raptures his people, it will be a time of reunion. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, the Bible says, We which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Did you notice that two reunions are going to be taking place on that day? First, we're going to be reunited with our departed loved ones and fellow saints. Won't that be a great day? Imagine that moment when you lay eyes on those who have gone on. Imagine seeing them in glorified bodies. Raised to live forever. What a day that will be. Then we're told that we will be with Jesus forever. One day these eyes shall behold the one who climbed Calvary's cross to pay my sin debt. I will see the one who loved me more than his own life. And I will. Here's what Job said about that day a long, long time ago. Job 19.25 for I know my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand in the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, 
Mine eyes shall behold and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. What a day that will be. My friend, Jesus Christ is coming. He's coming on his own calendar. He's coming on his own accord. He's coming for his people, a people who have been made preparations to meet him. He's coming for a redeemed people. He's coming for those who are saved by his grace. My question, are you among that number? Jesus Christ is coming. When, you ask? I don't know. And I'll say this, no one else knows. We're not going to get caught up in watching the signs and trying to figure out when Jesus will come. Those of us who know him are to be laboring diligently until he comes to claim his own. If you don't know him, you need to be saved. You need to know that Jesus Christ died on the cross and shed his blood so that your sins might be forgiven, so that you might be saved from your sin and its penalty. If he's calling you, you need to come to him today. My friend, Jesus Christ is coming. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to meet him?